In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm coming to you from Audi Field in Washington, D.C., where Atlanta United was beaten by D.C. United 2 to nothing on Sunday in the first game since it won, the first league game since it won the MLS Cup. Losing in Washington should not be a surprise because Atlanta United is now 0-4, either playing at RFK or here at the beautiful Audi Field. For the first time uh, this calendar year, for the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm joined by Jason Longshore of 92.9 and Soccer Down Here. Um, Jason, what did you make of the two of loss tonight? That was a weird game. Um, we had a weird view, so I don't know how much detail I truly had. As you can see, the weird view we had. Um, I felt like Atlanta controlled possession the way that they want to do. But they did not create enough with it. Um First half was pretty even. Atlanta had the possession, but D.C. had more chances. Some of them were, were kind of low-percentage chances, but they did have more chances. Um, then they get the goal in the set piece at the end of the half, and that changed everything. Atlanta didn't grab the game early in the second half. I would assume that the uh, the substitutions of P.T. Martinez and, and Julian Gressel were probably fairly well planned out to come in and play 30 minutes at that stage. You were down 2-0. Um, weird goal given up by Brad Gazan from Luciano Acosta. From from our vantage point, from what we could tell, hit it with the outside of the right foot, and when it hit the wet turf, it just took all the spin out of it, and it kind of knuckled at him, looked completely fooled by it. Uh, P.T. Martinez came on, and, and as Mike Conti and I were digging through the numbers on Opta afterwards, you could tell that things changed when he came on. The team really tried to play through him. Uh, Lots of passes into him to try to create. And he was active, but never really found that connection. Uh, Joseph Martinez and him were kind of on different pages at different points. Just never quite clicked. And Atlanta, again, gave up two, you know, kind of two goals off set pieces so far this season. Um, A couple weird goals, and he didn't create enough. You just did not create enough, and that's the most frustrating part of it. Yeah, uh, Frank DeBoer said after the game that, again, they just, they're they lacking that decisiveness, mm-hmm. that defining play in the final third that's to create chances. To Hector Viaba was a bit of a, a mess uh, tonight. He just could not stay on his feet, could not keep the ball. Field Brick. was difficult, and I think it did get worse as the night went on. 
But Tito in the first half, yeah, he slipped a couple times. One on a very good chance, it looked like. Yeah. Breck Shea could not beat the first man with a pass throughout the night. Uh, Mikey Ambrose did okay, but he's not a threat to deliver crosses on the right. He had one good one from the right, footed. actually. Yeah, he <laughs> so, had one good one from the right with his right foot, which I was very impressed with. Yeah, but him starting on the right was just one of the many kind of curious lineup decisions that, that I thought tonight. DeBoer, we asked DeBoer about it after the game. He tried to explain it, but it, the, his explanation, I really – I need to go back and listen to it because it didn't make a lot of sense to me. It was something about explosive plays, how many explosive plays the players make. That's one of the things they look at. But he thinks that everybody should be fine to play on Wednesday for Monterey in the first leg of the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, I need to hear the the full quote, too. Um, I I know this club takes sports science very seriously, and you're not going to play players who are fatigued in this one. You're also trying to build that chemistry that style that philosophy and the only way you do it is by playing and you need to play these games you're, you're going to be playing Monterey who will be in their I think 12th game of 2019 if I if I can add at this point in the night and Atlanta's played three you know it's it, it's tough and that's the challenge that MLS teams face in this competition I think you wanted more out of tonight as well. If you're going to play, you know, guys in, in this situation yeah. and and go for this game, you'd like to get something out of it, and it just wasn't there enough tonight. Yeah, just two shots on goal. Yeah, and both from distance. Yeah, the the thing that I, I don't know if it's concerning because it is just one game, but if it happens, you had Barco, Joseph, and Pity on the field at the same time for 20 minutes tonight. So that's more than $30 million in transfer fees of players. None of them could get a shot on goal uh, in the second half when Atlanta United was trailing and D.C. was sitting back a little bit. That's a little bit interesting to me. Um, yeah, I, I mean, when you're putting it in price tags, it, it is it is interesting. It's difficult. Uh, Pitti had his shot on goal. Rometty had one on goal. Pitti's was from distance. I, I don't remember if Barco was on the field or not when it happened. Um he hit one that skipped in front of Hamid. Hamid kind of blocked it away. I think Barco had already left. At that might point. have. Might have. Yeah. Um, it's. I'd like to see how to get those two on the field with Joseph and be more more of that decisiveness in the final third that that you said that Frank was talking about. It, it's a little difficult because honestly, Pitti and and Barco they're different players, but they both you know want a lot of the ball. They want you know things to go through them. That's what they're both used to. And there's only one ball, so when the other has the ball, the other one has to do things off the ball. And I think one thing we have seen in these last two games, and it did show up tonight as well, was Barco's work ethic off the ball. It's definitely different than it was last year, and he was very involved. Defensively, I think he, for a lot of the game tonight, led the team in duels. Um, was very, you know, was getting stuck into tackles, things like that. That's good to see, but you On have offense, to. He just he was almost non-existent. Well, he created two of the five chances. Um, it, I, it's the thing is everybody's non-existent. He was maybe a little less non-existent, but the <laughs> thing is, when somebody else has the ball, and this is where this is the the deal with Barco is. Tito is comfortable playing off the ball. He'll make runs off the ball. He doesn't need a lot of the ball to be effective. 
Barco needs the ball. Bitti needs the ball. They both need the ball. There's not enough ball to go around. So when they're on the field together, whoever doesn't have the ball has to find ways to be active in the attack, whether it's making runs off the ball to draw defenders, whether it's trying to move to open things up, whether it's dropping to provide a backboard, something like that. And it's not quite there yet. And honestly, they've played three games together. And have right. you played three no, full games No, there's still together. lots of time. There's lots of time. And what you see at different points, I mean, this is a team that even in, in the three games so far, they've controlled possession in all three. That's a good sign. It just has to be more productive in the final third because when it isn't, you see what a team like DC can do. They drop deep. They soaked up pressure. Luciano Acosta is also very intelligent with his movement. He picked up the ball in a lot of wide positions when Atlanta had possession in the the attacking half, didn't create anything. Luciano Acosta would drift into those spaces out wide where the wingbacks had went forward because you controlled the possession and got them forward. And he's in open space. Then it's drawing things out. Then it's opening up more space. That's something Atlanta has to be very careful about. When they have the possession in the final third, they have to create shots. They have to create, whether it's it's a shot on goal or it's a shot over the bar or whatever it is, there has to be that definition of it. Because when it turns over and you're exposed, you're asking Miles Robinson to do a lot. He did a lot tonight. You're asking Leandro Gonzalez-Perez to do a lot. You're asking Eric Rometty to do a lot. They can't do it game in and game out. You have to get more in the attacking third. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be really curious about Monterey because George Bello, for example, did not make the trip here. Franco Escobar did not make the trip here. And I know the team is leaving from here to Mexico. Mm -hmm. So that means your left wing back in Monterey, likely, I would think, going to be Breck Shea again. And as good as I thought he looked at Kennesaw, mm-hmm. I thought he, he was not very good tonight on offense or defense. He kept getting beat on diagonals, uh, kind of in behind him, just kind of caught ball watching a couple of times. And again, this inability to, to beat the first man with the cross, I mean, it just killed so many attacks tonight. He's got to be better than that. He's got to be right. what he was in Kennesaw. Because yeah. in, in Kennesaw, he was creating good passes in the final third. But Herediano was given that width at Kennesaw. They were more compact than D.C. D.C. was spreading out. They weren't going to give the flanks to Atlanta United. Well, Herediano was was more disorganized, really is the way to put it, in the first ten minutes. Because they tried to actually stretch and play a line of five, and they're just not built that way. But I bring that up because... If the wingbacks aren't pushing up the field and getting involved, then Atlanta United is not going to have numbers a lot of the time. Maybe that's why Viaba was trying to take on three and four guys at a time a couple of times. Think back to the first leg against Aradiana. That's what was happening because they weren't being patient. Now, I thought tonight they were being patient. What was happening is when the wingbacks went, you didn't get anything out of it. And when you don't get anything out of it and you turn it over in the run of play... That's where Luciano Acosta is going to hurt you. That's where Paul Ariola is going to hurt you. Wayne Rooney as well. Wayne Rooney's very intelligent with his movement off the ball. He's mm-hmm. going to go find that pocket of space, whether it's on the left wing, right wing, wherever, and he's going to sit in it and wait till he gets service. That's what will hurt you. If you if you get those wingbacks forward, when you do what you're trying to do, you have to create something. And when you don't, you're going to get exposed. So <clears throat> Atlanta United will next play at Monterey again in the first leg of the CONCACAF Champions League on Wednesday. Jason will be there. I will be there. Uh, then they return home to host Cincinnati 
in its season opening game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It expects 70,000 people will be there. There's going to be like a celebratory block party uh, for last year's championship on the march to the the stadium. Uh, hopefully the weather is going to be a little bit better than it was here tonight, which was brutally bad. I'm not looking forward to my walk back to the hotel. Uh, Jason, how can people find you on social media? Uh, Long Shoe on Twitter and Instagram, Soccer Down Here. Uh, we're not live in the morning tomorrow because I'm on a plane. Uh, we will be live <laughs> 6 to 8 tomorrow evening. We will be live normal time, 9 to 11, Tuesday and Wednesday from Mexico. Um, hopefully you will be able to join us on Wednesday for our usual game day predictions and conversation. And uh, then we'll, we'll see what happens the rest of the week. It's, it's a crazy time with all the travel, all the schedule, all trying to, to get things together early in the season. We've seen good glimpses. We've seen some bad glimpses. I think some of the the concern is valid. I think some of it might be a little overblown at this point. But yeah. It's yeah. early. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, this team hasn't lost back-to-back games since its first season. Right. Um, this game, I was still surprised by the starting lineup, um, but I wouldn't read too much in it. D.C. United has a good team. They know how to play mm-hmm. Atlanta United. They're a contender in the East. I was, you know, I do have a little bit, a few concerns about Breck Shea, but... It's just one game. A couple of concerns about Viaba almost trying to pack in a season's worth of starts into one game with some of the things he was trying to do tonight. Um, but it's just one game. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Follow, follow me on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. I hope you bought the Sunday newspaper that had four pages of Atlanta United and Major League Soccer coverage in it today. Um, again, Atlanta United falls to DC United two to nothing. Game stories posted. Bit Brad Guzan's rebuttal of Bill Hamid's comment made in January on an MLS media tour that he's a better goalkeeper than Guzan. Uh, they were published today by Major League Soccer's website. Something that I don't think was too cool to do, simply because the two teams were playing today to sit on it and hold it and post it today like it's some sort of brand new thing. Uh, but anyway, it did come out today, so Guzan responded. I posted a story about that. Player ratings. All the usual accoutrement uh, as I break out my French as I head to Monterey. <laughs> All right, Jason, thank you very much. That's Southern Fried Soccer. Atlanta United falls to D.C. United 2 to nothing here in Washington, D.C. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that black people might want to know about. Like historically black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh, 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 oh,